Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And I have two brief invitations for you. If you're a Facebook uh, user and you love this show and you want to meet some like-minded people and just be able to talk about everything we talk about on these episodes, feel free to go to Facebook and type in the search box, We Don't Die Listeners. So it's a growing group and we're having a lot of fun in there. So I want you to join us. The second thing is I will be speaking live in Scottsdale, Arizona, September 15th through 17th, 2017, with 27 or 28 top people in the world of afterlife research and communication. It is called the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium. So if you're interested, or even if you can't attend, I encourage you to go to this website, afterlifestudies.org, and just check out some of the -the state-of-the-art things that are happening in the world of the afterlife. So today on the show, I'm pleased to introduce you to our guest, who is Reverend Kevin Lee. Kevin is a spiritual medium, healer, paranormal researcher, and senior minister of Metaphysical Chapel of South Florida in Fort Lauderdale. Today we'll be learning about Kevin's very interesting journey and why he believes there is no death and life continues on. And there's something else we're going to get into. It's something we've never spoken about on this show, and I don't even know too much about it. It's something called precipitation mediumship. Reverend Kevin Lee's website is kevinleemedium.com and his chapel's website is metaphysicalchapel.com. So, Reverend Kevin Lee, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. What a pleasure it is to hear your voice and just to be a part of this journey with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. I've heard such great things about you from mutual Thank friends, you. and I have Thank done you. some research on you, and you're up to some really well, big ditto. things in your community ditto. and worldwide. <laughs> so where does your story sure. begin? Are you always a Floridian? Well, I, I tell you, I grew up in Texas. And uh, I really, uh, growing up, I never had any type of mystical experiences. I never had any psychic or, or uh, ghostly encounters. Unfortunately, never was abducted by aliens, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I had a pretty dreamy childhood. I was a very kind-hearted, mystical child. And I, I knew that there was something out there. I just didn't know the world was called metaphysics. And uh, eventually relocated uh, for career in nursing to New York City, and then for graduate school, I relocated to South Florida to pursue one of my lifelong dreams to become a nurse anesthetist. And so I completed that journey in 2006, around Christmas time, and I uh, received my nurse practitioner's license, my nurse anesthetist's license. So uh, a huge, huge accomplishment. I really am amazed that I was able to achieve that. And and so just a few months after that, now dur- during that time, because I was so involved in school, I really had very little opportunity uh, because of the intensity of the programs to venture out and, and really see what all this psychic world was all about. I had heard some things about it and had been reading some books about it. I'd seen some TV shows about it, and I was interested. But for me, myself, I didn't really recognize that I had any potential. And, uh, uh, but I did have a sense, this inner knowing, that always guided me to great things. Always good things came out of it when I followed that gut instinct. And so it was probably in June of 2007, I was sitting at home by myself, and that presence, that feeling came over me, and I recognized it, but I thought, wait a minute, 
I, I feel as though it wants me to get in my car and drive, and I have no place or purpose or direction to go, and that's not like me. And I thought, I'm going to honor it, jumped in my car, and then I, I said to the spirit world, I said, well, uh, now what? Now I'm in the car. What am I supposed to do? Where so, do I go? Yeah, I got uh-huh. this. Where do I go? What am I going to do? And I suddenly got the impression, drive south. And I thought, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. So I drove south. I drove out of south, out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, past the airport, and I drove into this very sleepy little beach town called Dania Beach. I didn't really know much about the city. And uh, as I was driving into the city, I noticed the strange sign on the building that said Metaphysical Chapel. And I thought, wait a minute, well, that's weird. Those words, those are so diametrically opposed. Right. How can those words possibly go together? Because I grew up Southern Baptist Christian, very conservative uh, upbringing, and uh, even some a little Catholicism in the family, and then also Church of Christ, so a whole lot of conservatism. Yes. And I, I just was so perplexed with this, with this, these two words, and I barely drove past it, maybe a block further, and suddenly it was a, there was a barrier in front of me. I literally couldn't drive any further. And I thought, I've got to turn around. I've got to make a U-turn in this, a U-turn in this road and go back to this strange place. And so I did. And, and I pulled in the parking lot, looked in the window, saw all kinds of funny things in the bookstore from all religions, which really didn't make any sense to me. Why would all these religious symbols be in this bookstore window? Mm-hmm. And I saw that they had church services and psychic fairs. And I thought, well, I, I like that idea of a psychic fair. And, and they have a church. How does that go together? It wasn't long after that that I showed up for my church service. I witnessed a woman give uh, in, a metaphysical interpretation of Bible scripture, which was exactly what my soul had been seeking since I was a child. I didn't know that was the words. And my soul came alive in that experience, and I realized I found my home. Oh. And then later after that service, that same female minister, and I had never seen a female minister before, so that really blew my mind too, and this woman gave messages from Spirit, and I wish I could remember what she told me, but I remember how shocked and amazed I was at what I was experiencing inside a church. Yes. And I thought, well, you know, how is this even possible that churches allow this? Right. So that began my journey. At that time, the, uh, the church was uh, a little more focused in uh, focusing on spiritualism, which you understand what that is, the religion of spiritualism. And our church system had it originally evolved 50 years ago out of the religion of spiritualism. And for different reasons, uh, the founder uh, just decided to uh, change the name so that we could be a separate entity. And we called ourselves divine metaphysicians, the religion of divine metaphysics. Okay. And uh, But we had such close ties with spiritualism, and uh, we, hold, we hold dear all of the principles of spiritualism. Some are expounded upon, and we work at the core of, at the core of our teaching, at the core of our offerings to, the, to the, really the community, the world, is that continuity of life after the change called death. That is our core teaching. That's why we... And uh, so, out of that, I eventually moved into uh, studying in seminary within our church system. We have a four-year seminary program. Wow, great. I went ahead and, I went ahead and signed up for the three-year training program to become a certified medium and also as a certified healer within, a spiritual healer within our program. And so our mother church is the United Metaphysical Churches. That's up in Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, it's a wonderful uh, place of education and uh, training and community, just a safe, beautiful place to spread your wings. 
and really unfold. It's it, in, it, in its own right, it's a mini Arthur Findlay. It's oh. the same premise. They're trying to provide a place of retreat, a spiritual retreat, where you can go to learn healing, psychic unfoldment, mediumistic unfoldment, to become a minister for your church or your community, and also just to uh, become a leader within your community. So what's the name? Place. What's the name of that place? United? Sure. United Metaphysical Churches, and it's located in Roanoke, Virginia. Good to know about. Great. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity. A place anyone can go and partake of all the programs and the, the metaphysical courses. You do not have to join up for the seminary program. They offer retreat uh, without credits, but you can still take these courses, which are truly wonderful. Great. So that's where I... I suddenly was enrolled in taking all these courses, and then before I knew it, the minister at my church at the time decided to retire, and she said, well, you know, now that you're uh, going to be a deacon within seminary, you technically qualify to run the church, so I'm retiring, it's yours. And wow. I thought, are, are, you, are you kidding me? I, I only wanted the education, I only wanted the title, I didn't want to run the, the church, I just wanted to become mediumistic and, and, and increase my knowledge, and that's all I wanted. And then when I sat with Spirit, I realized Spirit brought me to this church for a very particular reason, and if I don't step up and let my light shine in in this opportunity I'm being given, the light will be extinguished and the doors will be closed, and that opportunity will no longer exist in South Florida. And I thought, what do I want most in the world? I love sharing all of my experiences with people. I love sharing my knowledge with people. I love networking. I'm a huge networker. I'm always bringing all my friends from around the world with different psychic, mediumistic, healing, uh, metaphysical abilities to demonstrate, to teach, to inspire, to help people unfold. So in my own way, I'm, I'm creating a center where people can also come and right. really to develop the light within and to, and to help it grow stronger and, and to guide them in a safe way, the way people guided me in a safe way. So I took I, I stepped into the position as the interim director in the next year when I was ordained in fall of 2013 I uh, was inducted as the minister for my church and have been the minister ever since and I absolutely love my role I real I really have grown into the role of being a minister in my community and I I take it very seriously and and I'm honored that Spirit would guide me into this role I just, ten years ago I would have bet everything I owned. I would never become a minister in sense. And here I am, uh, 100% in it every single day, uh, guiding my community forward, developing myself in ways I never would have dreamed. Right. And it just amazes me. I, I feel so blessed to be a part of this community, I, part of the, the whole metaphysical world. I laugh because, uh, same thing, not in a million years would I ever think that I'd be doing what I'm doing right. and now having this conversation with you. I never, you. never. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, wow. Kevin, do you still, uh, are you full-time the minister there or do you uh, still yes. work? In yes, I, 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 I basically have a professional career in anesthesia, and I uh, hire myself out and work for them and uh, staff different, you know, I do a lot of plastic surgery and spine surgery and uh, general anesthesia type cases and local cases. So I do lots of different things locally, and uh, then in the evenings and weekends, I'm running my church business. So wow, my ministry is... is it's every day. It never stops. I mean, even on my lunch breaks in the hospitals or, or in the offices, I'm, I'm taking calls. I'm, 
I'm planning future speakers. I'm trying to solve local problems. People are in crisis mode and trying to get resources for them. And uh, it's a huge commitment. And, you know, I, I tell you what gives me strength is knowing, again, that Spirit put me in this position and that there is a reason why my soul needs to be stretched this hard and, and this much because I'm supposed to help these people in yes. some capacity. And it, somehow it helps my soul evolve to a much greater level so that maybe I don't have to come back the next time to experience this difficult life, but maybe it'll be a different type of expression in the next life. So who knows? But I just, I get a lot of uh, energy and get a lot of of, uh, blessing from the work. So I I definitely am running two careers at the same time. Yeah, me too. But that's all right. We're stretched for a reason, and the spirit world knows we can handle it. Well, the name of our show is We Don't Die, and I know you probably have thousands of stories, but uh, no. if somebody was a first-time listener here, they'd like to hear, you know, why why should they believe in life after death? Can you tell us a little bit on your journey of maybe some things you've experienced or witnessed or, you know, where your passion lies that you know that, mm. you know, death is just an illusion that we carry on? I'll tell you what healed my spirit and what set me on this journey uh, 100%. When I found my little church, you remember I told you that I had come from uh, a background, very highly conservative Christian background, most of my life, and uh, there was a period of time because of a lot of church abuse and a lot of public issues and personal you know, attacks uh, just for being who I was from the church systems. I really stepped away uh, from the God principle, from the church uh, the mission of churches, and, and I was very anti all of that, anti-divinity, yeah. anti-church, for, you're very angry about it. I was very angry, I'll admit that. And then, of course, my spirit began to call me back, and so I noticed as I was probably around 2000, roughly 2000, uh, the year 2000, I was beginning to get this calling back to spirit. I could feel my spirit wanting a relationship with that principle of God, but my the, I was so abused by uh, those religious institutions and persons that I was struggling to go back into that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand how to have a relationship with that divine principle because I didn't understand what it really meant. I just thought God was up there, you know, a galaxy far, far away, and we were down here on earth, and I better behave and all that. So when I found my church... A good six months went along. I began to slowly understand what is metaphysics, what is spiritualism, what is this world of spirit, and, and, and how do I really know that we, there is no death and that life continues on? You all say it, but how do I know it? So this was Christmas time, 2007. The minister of my church had asked me, she said, Kevin, you're, you, you speak so well, you're very academically trained. Would you write a sermon and deliver it to church? And I said, wait a minute, I'm, I don't want to be a minister. And she says, no, no, we just want you to speak. Just give like a lecture. I said, well, I'll do that. So she talked me into writing a sermon. She wanted it to be on the birth of Jesus at Christmas time from the metaphysical perspective. I knew nothing about the metaphysical perspective. I only knew the Christian perspective and story and all the symbology. But she gave me a lot of books to read, uh, probably about eight big books. And within two weeks, I had gone through all of those books. I had written this beautiful sermon, turned it in on a Friday night. And on Saturday morning, I, had, I was signed up to attend my very first seance with Reverend Hoyt Robinette, who is, in my opinion, the number one precipitation medium in the world, who still demonstrates publicly. And Hoyt Robinette, Reverend Robinette, he lives currently in Camp Chesterfield, 
And funny enough, I'm going to, after all these years, I am finally flying next week to Camp Chesterfield to do some research for my, my precipitation book. Uh, and I get to see him. So he's, uh, that's going to be a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. I'm gathering a friend. Where is he's that? a very dear friend of mine. Where is Camp Chesterfield? Camp Chesterfield is in Indianapolis, okay. Indiana. Okay. So it's just a, it's a suburb of that area. And uh, it's a beautiful spiritualist camp with its own seminary program, training programs, retreat center. Okay. Uh, wonderful place. I highly recommend it for anybody to at least visit a, uh, a few times to have that experience. So I went to this seance. No one knew me. No one knew my background. No one knew what church I was at. No one knew anything about me. I barely had my name because I had to give my name to attend. And even that, there was no information about me anywhere to be, to be had. And so I go to this event. Uh, Reverend Hoyt was blindfolded and psychometrizing and, and mediumistically connecting to these things called billets. Pieces of paper where you write uh, maybe a question to the spirit world, some names of loved ones or spirit guides that you would love to hear from that day, and then maybe on the outside your initials and date of birth. And that's how, on the outside, they can identify who is the owner of this billet without opening it and looking at the uh, evidential details and questions inside. Okay. And so uh, it, as he was going forward, he suddenly brought through an older woman, and this older woman had a man's name, and he said, this woman, is uh, I feel as though she's a farm woman, and she's got a man's name, and, and she wants to speak to someone named Kevin. And I thought, well, maybe he saw my name on the list. Okay, let's see where this is going. So then he brings through her name, which shocked me. Then he brought through a lot of evidence about exactly the, the, the geography of, of her farm and, and structures near the farm and memories and and one of the things she came to and said was, well, I don't understand this church you're in. I don't know mediumship, but I'm going to learn with you. And I thought, wait a minute. My grandmother was so Chris, so Southern Baptist Christian-oriented, she would never have set foot in one of these churches. But if it's good enough for her, I don't have a problem with where I'm at. Did he now, have what her, I didn't... her name right, Kevin? Yes, he named her. He gave me her first name, her uh, maiden name, and her family name, uh, meaning oh. her her married name. Yeah, that's pretty big. So he, that level and, of and evidence. It was very, just highly evidential. And what I didn't start off by saying was at this point, at that period of time, I was literally weeks, probably weeks to maybe a month away from walking away from my church, walking away from everything I had been told because I was so torn emotionally and spiritually by the fact that my Christian upbringing says this is the work of uh, Satan, and mm-hmm. I'm being fooled, and I'm going to offend God, and I'm, I'm, I'm increasing the level of sin in my life, and, and, you know, anything psychic is against God, and the Bible says so. Well, I still hadn't had, no one had properly trained me uh, in, into an understanding that a lot of things in the Bible were written by individuals that gave them more power. And so there was a lot of uh, misconstrued information placed in different parts of the Bible, and uh, there also was information just grossly mistranslated. And so I was really struggling because I did not want to be spiritually inappropriate. I was trying to return to the principle of God. So my grandmother came through, highly evidential. Then he says, I'm not being silly because it's Christmas, but do you realize you have Mother Mary and Father Joseph standing here in this moment telling me they are working with you on a very pivotal project? At, at this point in time, do you, do you know what I mean? And I thought, are you kidding me? What? I can't believe he just said that. I know exactly what he's talking about. 
And I said, well, I'll tell you at the end, but I'm not going to tell you right now. Keep going with the message. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't give him anything. And he said, uh, he said that Mother Mary and Father Joseph told, uh, had to say to me, you are exactly where we need you to be to help the most number of people. It will progress your soul so fast if you will stay in the church where you've landed. We realize you're struggling with the concept of, of the church, but trust us, you will help thousands if you just stay on this path. You do have free will to, to leave, and we will not be upset if you do. It's your choice. But we, we honor where you're at in life, and we want to support you in this journey, and we'll be with you on this journey. Wow. And it was interesting. I'd never really prayed to Mother Mary. I'd never prayed to Father Joseph. I, I knew who they were. I, I loved the magic stories. I loved the principle of who Jesus was. Uh, and uh, as this amazing evolved soul on earth, and... I, I realized in that moment, wait a minute, if it's good enough for Mother Mary and Father Joseph and my grandmother to come through this medium, this old man with this amazing ability, and he just literally just healed my heart. And then he said, Mother Mary and Father Joseph have a special Christmas gift for you this year. They're going to give you their likeness on a card. And what happened was, as the evening finished, the cards came out and I received the most spectacular Renaissance-style painting of Mother Mary and Father Joseph on this on the small three by five card. My grandmother signed the card. Mother Mary, Father Joseph signed the card, and a couple of other guides. I didn't even know who they were at the time. Now I know who they are. But when I went home, I, I thought, "What the heck just happened to me? What what the heck is this? What's going on?" And it it so healed my spirit and healed my mind, and I realized. I'm not alone in the world. And, and, and these, these saintly figures, and even my grandmother, who I thought was dead, she's still alive, and she just spoke to me. And, and my, my, I'm, I'm totally transformed. And if what this minister could do for me and those other people, if he can do that, I want to do exactly what this old man has just done for me. Yes. I want to do that, and I want to transform people's lives with whatever this ability as he has. Right. And that was literally what set me on my path and what began my journey. And that's why I'm so passionate about precipitation mediumship. Uh, and um, it, it, it totally transformed my life. Absolutely. Totally. I, I want to back up just one second, because this question comes up a lot. People uh, do feel that getting involved with life after death things really is going against the religion mm-hmm. going against the Bible. I have never right. heard anybody talk about that the Bible was mistranslated, and that mm-hmm. and that there's stuff in there that people who wanted power. Can you just for just a mm-hmm. minute or two, just because sure. I think this will help many of sure. us. Because a lot of people say if it's in the Bible, it's the truth. I know, I know. I, I, we had to study these principles in seminary and and in some of the, uh, the extra courses that we took, but. What I will say is this, uh, the Bible was a, was a, a book of books, 66 books in, in, in particular, and in, in 350 A.D., approximately, the Council of Nicaea, and uh, the emperor at the time, I believe his name was Constant, Constantinople, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, it could be Constantine, but anyway, they got together, the clergy and the, the and they put together what we call the Bible today. A lot of books were... Uh, purposely not placed in the current Bible. Those are called the Gnostic texts. There were too, uh, there was way too much mysticism and a lot of very strange phenomena within them, and so those were conveniently left out. 
And uh, within our Bible, there's a lot of principles that talk about how uh, it, you should not see psychics and seers, you should not consult with the dead, and so forth, right. that it's an abomination, and it's, a, it's the work of the devil, or and it's you know, sinful and by nature. And isn't it interesting that the main figure of the book of the Bible, Jesus, was a medium. Jesus demonstrated every single mediumistic and psychic and healing ability out there. He had all of the, the, the five players, the five sisters, as we call them, you know, clear audience, clairvoyance, uh, clairsentience, and so forth. And Jesus purposely chose his disciples. Those 12 men were not chosen because of their name. They weren't chosen because of their titles. They weren't chosen because of the assets or the monies they had. They weren't chosen because of the families they were from. They were not even really chosen because of their professions or careers, what they did for a living. They were chosen for who they were. And they were all troubled souls trying to find their way in the world. But most, what's most important is he chose them because they were all mediumistic. And uh, these disciples were given the instructions, go out and do as I do, because what I do, you will do even greater things. He was referencing, Jesus was speaking about the gifts of the Spirit. So he gave his disciples, who were technically not divine, according to biblical scholars, but metaphysically we understand we all carry the divine flame within each one of us, but biblically speaking, from the conservative and fundamental standpoint, these were just basic human beings who became devout followers of the man Jesus. But he gave them the ability. He taught them the principles of how to unfold their natural mediumistic abilities. They were able to cast out spirits. They were able to heal. They were able to raise the dead. They were able to bring forth various types of psychic phenomena, remote viewing, prophecy, and whatnot. So isn't it interesting? You know, so many people say, oh, it's... An, it, it's uh, uh, a sinful act to consult with psychics and do psychic work. Well, Jesus didn't get that email because he clearly demonstrated all of the uh, all of those uh, uh, gifts of spirit, if you want to call them that. Yes. And then he told his disciples, uh, average human beings, uh, just like you and I, he told them to go out and do it. So uh, that's where you get this whole concept of in the Bible, where one part will say one thing and another part will say another, which contradicts it. And so if, if it was good enough for this ascended master and his disciples, why is it not good enough for the rest of the people? And the reason why, I'll be very honest, is because when uh, in the Bible it was conveniently left in because it allows the powers that be, the church leaders and the, the, the uh, government leaders of, of the time, it allowed them to maintain power and control over the people because if they understood the truth that God was within and not without, the, in other words, outside the body, if they understood that they could meditate to unfold their natural connection to that principle of God or, their, or to unfold their natural abilities, they'd no longer need the priests, they'd no longer need the churches, they'd no longer need religious institutions because they could access all of that divinity and those gifts of spirit on their own. So it takes the power away from the pulpit, as I say, in places the power in the pews with you, the attendees. And I remind people at church all the time, just because I have a title and I'm standing here in the pulpit, doesn't mean that I have all the answers. I'm learning along with you. Yes, I have a title. Yes, I've done the work. But my job is to light your light. You're to go and do the work. You're to pray to God, to ask for, you know, you're, you should be, uh, say, for instance, if we hurt somebody or, or do something wrong or do something that causes a lot of heartache, it's not about us praying to God to solve that problem. We need to step into the spiritual action of actually doing the work to solve that issue. 
with the other person, going directly to the person. Don't come to the minister, don't come to the priest, don't come to the rabbi, don't come to the imam begging them to ask God for forgiveness. You need to do the work yourself. And so that is an example of how we take the power out of the pulpit and place it in the pews, and that's exactly what the religious leaders of old did not want to happen. So they would maintain the power by allowing, uh, by inserting and allowing these conflicting scriptures to remain in the Bible. Man, am I and ever so, glad yep. you're talking about this. <laughs> I know, this is kind of heady stuff, but, but uh, really, Jesus had no issue with it. The disciples had no issue with it. Mm-hmm. Mother Mary, Father Joseph. You know, Jesus, a lot of people don't even realize, but Jesus came from a group of, of, uh, a group of Jews called the Essenes, and these Essenes were very known to, they meditated, they uh, were highly mystical, they were all about unfolding their natural abilities to heal, to psychically connect, to mediumistically connect with the spirit world of life. And so they were a very mystical branch of Judaism. And that's why they were frowned upon, because they created their own form of Judaism at the time. They didn't have the word Christianity back then. And uh, Jesus came from that uh, uh, upbringing. So it makes sense why he was such a he was born into that that soul family uh, in that tribe of Essenes because they literally they gave him the ingredients that he needed to unfold his soul to its greatest potential, Fantastic. and so he was a truly beautiful example. Love Re- it, really great. And one thing that is important in you sharing is that I I stress this a lot on these episodes for us to all look for our own truths, and I think just mm-hmm. by nature, you know, we have parents, and many of us grow up. I grew up in Catholicism and, you know, we get our beliefs at a very young age, so we don't end up ever challenging them. And then, you know, older in life, here we are starting to dabble in this. And we never, you know, we take all that stuff we learned so early as the truth and and don't challenge it. So I'm not telling anybody that they have to believe in this conversation or even not to believe, but to go on your Mm -hmm. own journey within and find the truth. And just because it's written or even whether we say it on a show like this, whether it's written right. in a book or the Bible or wherever, right. go for your own truths. But spirit, this is spirit, great. Spirit always, you're right. Spirit always says to us in, in circle, in, in seance, they will say, every religion has a, has a reason for existing on this planet. There's a reason why it came forward through the prophets of the time. Mm-hmm. There is a vibration that certain souls need, and that is why certain individuals gravitate towards Buddhism. Islam, uh, Southern Baptists, uh, maybe Episcopalians, uh, divine metaphysicians, spiritualism, spiritism. Uh, everybody really resonates towards a type of religion or philosophical existence uh, that their soul needs in this life. And so the Spirit will say uh, to us, they'll do those, they'll say those teachings, but they'll also say, if you enter, say, say for instance, you enter a new church, you're, you're testing out churches in your community, and a lot of them don't feel right to you, but suddenly you walk into one and everything that everybody's saying, the vibration of the space, the message, the minister, the type of religion coming forward, it just awakens your soul. You have found exactly the religion you need to follow mm-hmm. at, this point, at this point in your life. Right. You may outgrow it at a later date, but at this point in life, go with the flow. You're exactly where you need to be. So I definitely tell people, if you are coming to me and you're Catholic and you're stepping, you're placing your toes into the water of of metaphysics or spiritualism, and 
vaccinate you, you, there's no reason why you cannot participate in both. But eventually, because of the higher truth principles and the, the, the resonance of the teaching, it will lift you up out of the lower vibrational uh, uh, religions that teach, that are a little more fear-based, a little bit more creed and dogma-focused. And when you step into the higher vibrational uh, religious or philosophical offerings that are more positive, pardon, positive-based, love-based, and they don't teach the principle of sin and damnation and such and guilt, uh, you'll find that you'll no longer have an affinity to that lower vibrational uh, religious expression. Wow. Right. Terrific. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for shedding some You're light welcome. on this. Because this is impo- this is very important. Um, anyways, let's get now into what the heck is precipitation mediumship? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So everybody asks this question. No one has any clue. I'm amazed you even know Reverend Hoyt Robinette. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. This Reverend Hoyt Robinette started many years ago, and he, he told me the story that he had witnessed uh, uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Bill English demonstrate uh, precipitation card mediumship. And I say uh, card mediumship. I'm going to explain that a little further in a, in a, in a in a bit, but precipitation mediumship in particular, where these colors, these writings, these images would materialize onto cards, paper stock, maybe canvas. And it really, uh, it really shocked him, but it showed him that there was a continuity of life because of the evidence coming through this form of mediumship. It was a very physical, beautiful, very pretty, colorful uh, demonstration of mediumship. And so uh, I'll back up a little bit. Precipitation mediumship when we talk about a precipitate, think about science. Think about all those years ago back in high school when we talked about precipitates in, in chemistry class. A precipitate is something that condenses out of a solution and it falls as a deposit. And, and some examples of that might be rain. You can think of snow. You can think of even ash, mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough. And I say ash because actually some of the phenomena feels very ashy. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. And so this precipitation, it takes place because through the power of the medium, their spirit personalities or their guides or their teachers that are working with them from the spirit side of life have begun to work with the chemistry of their medium, the uh, spiritual energies of the medium, the psychic and mediumistic energies of the medium, and they basically will, will pull and manipulate the life force of the medium, the ectoplasmic life force, out through the solar plexus into, I want to say like a container, a box, a basket, something that prevents light from entering inside. Now, we know from other mediumistic experiences that light destroys ectoplasm. And uh, the ectoplasm being the life force of the medium, but it's, it's a physicalized form of that life force. That ectoplasm will enter into these boxes or baskets that the medium typically will hold either on their lap or under their chair, maybe on a table next to them while they're doing their demonstration. And within those boxes and baskets, the mediums will typically have, uh, the most basic is, is crayons, uh, colored pencils. You might have a regular pencil with, that, with some lead in it. Uh, you could even have a block of charcoal. You could have uh, acrylic paint, uh, oil pastels. You could have uh, Sharpies and markers that are permanent. And you can even, I've even seen people use gel pens. That's actually one of my favorites because my students get to see, uh, literally get to see extracted ink and missing elements within the gel pens 
over the course of a few months. And so it really gives them almost like it dangles a carrot in front of them that something's actually happening. They can see results in front of them. They may not be getting the phenomena on their papers, on their little cards that they place in their baskets and their boxes, but the, the pigment is disappearing from the instrument of the pens uh, or the crayons or the markers. Wow. So that's really how precipitation mediumship takes place. Now, what I will tell you is, why is it so important? Why is it so amazing? Well, I love art. I love um, artistic expression. And, and what is so amazing to me is that spirit is able to manipulate something in our physical realm, the colors, the crayons, the paints, whatnot. They're able to dematerialize these colored media. They take into the spirit world, into the ethers, they intelligently manipulate them. In other words, they rearrange them and they lay it back down. They physically rematerialize it onto your card, paper, or canvas uh, material that you're using as a, a display, uh, something for the color to lay upon. And so they will lay it down intelligently. You could have uh, smudges of color. You could have sprinklings of color. You could have dots and scratches and strange lines on the, on the uh, canvas. You can have uh, faces appear, full faces, recognizable faces, uh, faces of such quality you would swear they were Xeroxed when they're not, that high of, of photographic quality. You will see signatures and handwriting that matches uh, signatures that might be in a museum. You will see uh, humor coming through these uh, this demonstration, the evidence. You will see uh, scientific creativity in the way that they will take some of the, say for instance, if I threw glitter into my basket and told Spirit, I want you to incorporate uh, and blend this glitter into my card precipitation, I have seen glitter fused into paper and pigment. Uh, it wasn't very pretty. I uh, don't recommend it. But it was an interesting experiment that mm -hmm. their guide did for them. Uh, so that's kind of a, a, a really good way of explaining what is precipitation mediumship. It, it is spirit laying down these colored pigments in such a way that they intelligently bring forward evidence that there is continuity of life after the change called death. And if there's really not evidence in the phenomena, in my opinion, why even bother? It is pretty, but if spirit's going to go to that much trouble, I should be pushing my guides, my teachers, my loved ones in the higher realms of life. I want you to be evidential in what you bring forward because I want to be, I want to know that this, say this book project I'm working on, I want to know that, that I'm on the right path. I want to know that, that you do still think of me, that, that I'm not the last one in my family still on earth. I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to see pretty hearts and flowers, my favorite flower drawn for me. I want to see, I want to see a, a beautiful symbol or a piece of jewelry a drawing of a piece of jewelry you might have worn that you crossed into the spirit world with. Amazing things like that will come through. Biblical scripture that really literally resonates with what you're going through in life at this point. Biblical scripture or beautiful prose or poetry will come through that spirit has laid down in some fashion into the, the, the beautiful, colorful presentation of the phenomena on the card or the paper or the canvas. So that is precipitation mediumship. It is definitely very rare because I've done quite a bit of extensive research. I have come across three individuals in particular, and they're all in the United States. They're all uh, friends of one another, and they all demonstrate 
to different degrees of greatness. Uh, uh, this form of card writing mediumship, and I will say card writing because what these mediums enjoy using as a, uh, it's a canvas for lack of a better word to use. So basically it's a three by five index card that's pure white. Mm-hmm. And so that is a very, quite affordable uh, and easily accessible way to ask spirit to place this beautiful phenomena onto these, uh, these cardstock. And then you can display that in glass frames or on your bedside. They're easy to scan. You can place them in in beautiful photo display books. And uh, it seems to be really the easiest way for them to lay something down on something very convenient. We all have access to index cards. So let me just, just because I'm trying to visualize this whole thing. So say when you're with Hoyt Robinette, um, you, you know, you did say that you put your initials and a question on a card and um and he goes blindfolded and he, mm-hmm. he he can actually you know pick up a card and for you right you know he brought your grandmother's name said kevin right. and all these details did you those were billets billets okay did mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. were there also at some point now some blank index cards had to go into a basket right Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So the way uh, the way we train students is this. Reverend Hoyt taught me this. I love that you're training uh, you, students, by the way. Let me just... I love it. Like, love oh my it. gosh, and you are training people yep. to do this. Fantastic. And what we what we do is we, we tell the students to get your little box. The best thing to use, and I'll tell your listeners, is this. Go get a shoebox. Everybody's got a shoebox in their closet. Mm-hmm. Now, a shoebox will prevent light from coming inside of it. You have to make sure that there's no grommets on the side or any handles on the side of the shoebox. It just needs to have a, uh, a rectangular or square shape. It could even be round. Uh, even like a hat box. Uh, it, those are quite large. I like a shoebox for my students. And uh, so you have a lid, which creates the dark environment, which mm-hmm. is really like a little seance room in that, that shoebox, right? Okay. Yeah. And so... Before you're inside the shoebox, you will place, well, let's see, before we do that, I'll say this. I like my students to be inspired. I tell them that you can either paint your shoebox, paint it something pretty, put some put something nice on there, decoupage your shoebox, or go get some fun Christmas paper or, or Hanukkah paper, or go get some birthday paper uh-huh. and wrap your box with some crazy stuff, something that will make you laugh every time you see it and smile. And that'll be, that will raise the vibration of happiness, which is very important. That's your heart chakra. That helps us connect with spirit even more. So I want you to be joyful every time you pick up this uh, spirit box. Now, it, once the box is open, we, the students are to place in, say, crayons, colored pencils. You really, students don't need to put in a lot of material at first because the spirit should not be overwhelmed with all of these coloring instruments, so I just tell the students to get a box of 12 or 24 crayons, a box of 12 or 24 colored pencils. If you want to throw in a Sharpie marker uh, or go get some gel pens so you can actually see the ink inside the pen, uh, throw some of those in there. Now, you can. what we do is we put a, a small handful of coloring instruments right down, those crayons or markers. Mm-hmm. Then we put a little layer of maybe three or five blank white index cards. Then we take another handful of colored instruments, crayons or markers, drop those on top of those cards, and we begin to layer it like a lasagna. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And so once you feel you have enough color and uh, coloring instruments and the uh, index cards, you can place the lid on it and begin the process of sitting every day for the next umpteen years. 
Uh, you, only, you really only need 15 to 20 minutes of sitting time, uh, focusing on uh, and, and setting the intention of developing precipitation mediumship. Uh, one of my dear friends, who is uh, probably, it, it, he's one of the, the last ones to develop precipitation mediumship, is Reverend Justin Terry. He's at our sister church in Palm Beach, the United Metaphysical Church of the Palm Beaches. And it took him approximately just under seven years to develop uh, precipitation mediumship. And it came forward spectacularly, so beautiful, so evidential. It was just unbelievable. His, uh, Reverend Hoyt and Reverend Justin's, well, Reverend Hoyt took about 17 years to develop his, sitting every single day for 30 minutes. And Reverend Justin's uh, mentor, who is a, a phenomenal precipitation mediumship who demonstrates card writing as these abilities, uh, he took also about 15, 16, maybe 17 years as well to develop. So it possibly could take a long time. You have to be very patient. This is not something you typically will see expressed forward in your mediumship in a matter of weeks or months. It is possible. Anything's possible. But for the average person, it will take a lot of dedication and patience and just trusting in divine time, everything in divine time. So uh, wow. uh, that's basically how the cards <laughs> develop. And, uh, wow. and, and I'm telling you, I have, I have seen students go home and have phenomena take place. It wasn't profound, but it was a lot, a lot of smudges and scratches and things which showed me they had great potential because on their first or second sitting, they had already the most basic, the most elementary of phenomena expressing forward. That was a great sign for them. Well, let me just ask, when, okay. when we sit now with the 15 to 20 minutes, the intention of mm -hmm. developing precipitation mediumship, okay, so we put that, we feel good, we're joyous, yep. we've got our great box, we've got our lasagna effect with the, um, the, yep. the markers and stuff in the, in, um, the paper, the cards. Yep. When yep. we close our eyes, we have the intention, but do we, at that point, just quiet our mind, or are we actively yes. thinking something? We just quiet our mind? No, you really, you don't, you should not even be visualizing that your cards are manifesting, that spirit hands are, are uh, working with, with these cards. And actually, that's another funny question people ask me. Do spirits create tiny little baby hands in the boxes to paint these pictures? No, they don't. They actually, uh, spirit says they use waves of energy. And I, in my lectures, I, I point out uh, evidence of the waves of energy because there's stray lines that shoot across the cards sometimes on the writing side. But uh, you basically just sit in meditation for 15, 20 minutes. You just set the intention verbally with your guides in your space. You can sit in a room full of light. You can sit in pitch black. It doesn't matter. What matters is that there is darkness inside your box or your basket. No light can enter into that space where the work is being done by spirit. And so they will begin to extract that ectoplasm from your body and from your surrounding, the surrounding elements, maybe plants in the room or even inanimate objects, and they begin to work on laying the pigment back down intelligently onto your card or your paper stock. So you really just sit uh, with an empty mind, just try to sit in the power of spirit and just trust that spirit is working exactly as they need to. So you really don't need to be visualizing or trying to psychically force the phenomena to come into being by going, running through the alphabet and physically drawing in your mind every alphabetic letter, every letter in the alphabet or, or painting pictures in your mind. You don't need to be doing that. You just sit in the power with a, an empty mind as much as you can and just sit in that power with spirit drawing around you and allow them to do the work. You don't really have to do much. 
It's not easy. What I'm getting out of this, really, because we've been talking a lot of the last previous episodes of the importance of of clearing the mind, meditating, uh, Mm -hmm. sitting in the power. And if we're going to be doing that anyways, why not have a shoebox sitting next to us? Absolutely. (laughs) You can do that. Absolutely. You You do double duty. Why not? I mean, really, truly. And now when we're talking about pictures, I did a little search online to see some mm-hmm. of these um, uh, cards. It, there's names. There's uh, They look yeah. like photographs. There's some pictures yep. that look like paintings. There's some that have multiple people's faces within yep. them, people reporting, you know, that was my grandmother, this is so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is miraculous stuff. It, it truly is. You know what? I'll, I'll, it's funny you mentioned the word miraculous because a few days ago in my sermon, I was discussing the principles of, of miracles in the Bible and, and how uh, a lot of people have been because they don't understand the metaphysical interpretation of of, of, of any holy scripture really and of, of the spirit world. What I would say is the word miracle. The the word miracle is really it doesn't exist. There are no miracles. These prophets access universal natural laws that are eternal laws. So the prophets are able to access and unfold whatever they're trying to create, say manna from heaven, or to multiply uh, fish and bread, uh, to turn water into wine. These weren't miraculous events, raising the dead. It was simply accessing uh, divine natural laws that are in existence for all of eternity. And you see a lot of this also when you study yogic books by swamis and yogis, and they talk about all of the phenomena that you see in the Bible. You see all of it within yogic scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, wow. uh, various books by yogis and swamis. They will talk about all of these so-called miraculous things. They're not miraculous. It's just the yogis have, through their meditational processes connected with that cosmic consciousness that we most of us call God or Allah or Great Spirit, and they, because they're able to access that, they have access to all of those universal laws, and they understand how to bring them into unfoldment in this physical dimension for whatever benefit they're trying to uh, incorporate or to bring forward. So uh, that's very important for people to understand is that what, yes, spirit can precipitate these beautiful, beautiful paintings, beautiful, stunning photographic quality. I'm telling you, I wish I, I wish you could see my. My collection, I have photographic quality images of loved ones in spirit, and there are no physical images of that person. They don't exist. They're only, these, the, the only images that loved ones have are in computers. And yet, these photographic quality images are appearing on beautiful paper cardstock in these seances, and it's transforming people's lives. But you know uh, they're healing, the real people. The you recognize them. I know them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's people because I, you know, I did some research on this, and I know for, gosh, because we've been talking about physical mediumship and trans mediumship, and uh, yesterday I spoke to Carl Jackson Barnes about Leslie Flint and all these voices that yes. came through. There's so many naysayers, and there's people. Uh, there's some fraud alert, something about Hoyt Robinette mm-hmm. that these are all uh, computer mm-hmm. graphics, and he's the biggest right. sleight of hand I read artist. That too. Oh yeah, yeah, but they're out there for. Everything. So, I mean, it's, oh. Um, well, I'll tell you, the brighter yeah. your light, the more bugs you're, that are attracted to you. Oh, this, my this, gosh. I've never heard that. Say that again. <laughs> it, the brighter your light, the more bugs that are attracted to you. Oh, my and, gosh. And uh, it's really true because, uh, yes, 
Reverend Hoyt is a very dear friend of mine. In the very beginning, I could have sworn he would, I've even told him this. He knows this. I told him I thought he was a master magician. I couldn't figure out how he was swindling all these people and getting those cards in that basket. Even when the basket was literally within feet of me the whole time, how did all those cards enter into the basket when we watched blank cards go into the basket? Right. I have seen this phenomena so many times now over the last 10 years that I know it's a legitimate uh, phenomena. I know that it's real. Uh, I have several friends. I have five friends, actually six friends now, uh, who are demonstrating this type of mediumship uh, in different ways. And, I'm, and I, I've even witnessed the phenomena come forward when I have sat in my own mediumship development for precipitation, because of my, my passion for my church and because of all that I do in my own academic career, unfortunately, a lot of my energy has left me and gone into those out external endeavors. I don't have the energy at present to produce precipitation. One day it will come back. And that's okay. At least I can teach about it and write about it and document it and, and share it because I know it's real and uh, no one can tell me otherwise. Uh, so that's what I want to say about that. Yes, uh, uh, anything is possible if you just believe. Where two or more are gathered, God is definitely present. The spirit world is always around us. But that, that, that power is magnified when two people sit with a spiritual intention. And that's what that means metaphysically, where two or more are gathered, God is present. It just means that your power is magnified when you get together and work, on, work with world of spirit. Which, you know, I'm wondering if two people, well, I'm thinking there's of the uh, physical medium seances and people that sit in circle, that it's usually two or more people sitting, mm -hmm. yep. uh, having the intention. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, in the case of precipitation, um, card writing mediumship, if yes. we did have somebody that yes. we sat together and... Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely. Had that, our box. That is your, absolutely. That is called a home development circle. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly, you know, we're such a drive through society. And one of the problems that I see my fellow, even my fellow students when I'm taking classes, but uh, in addition to my students, you know, they, they want the mediumship, they want their healing, they want their psychic abilities to unfold so quickly. And yet they're not willing to do the time and to sit in development circles with colleagues who are trying to develop something also, you need to be sitting once, if not twice a week, every single week with a gathering of your closest friends who are trying to unfold themselves psychically, healing-wise, or mediumistically. And uh, you need to sit in that power. Maybe you have a special evening where you sit, you and your best friend, who are fascinated with precipitation mediumship, and you both wish to unfold your natural ability that you have. Uh, maybe, yes, you're in the baby stages, but you and this other person will sit every Wednesday at 7 p.m., and you'll sit for 30 minutes only, and uh, that's what you promise to do going forward until it unfolds. And that is very powerful. If you can get three or four or five or eight, go for it. The more, the better, but it all needs to be focused on the same type of energy that evening. You can't mix and match different types of, of what you hope to develop in the circle. You really need it to be focused upon precipitation, if that's what you're seeking. Yeah, I'm glad okay, we, then, we, this is important stuff, because yeah. I, I know even talking to um, people about physical mediumship, there's so mm -hmm. many naysayers out there that it can't yeah. be true, 
And, and you know, that's yeah, true. there's people that have been proven fraud. So of course that's yeah, been. I agree. Yeah, I've they're out them. there. I've, I've, I've been down that road. I'm, I'm yeah. always a skeptic, even with my friends. I watch them like hawks and make sure that they're not being inappropriate. And uh, I have a reputation to uphold myself. Yeah. And, and, and I expect what comes forward uh, through my network, I expect it to be of legitimate, high-quality, professional quality, and I want no funny business. So No uh, funny I expect, business. <laughs> no, I expect, the, I expect the highest and best. And so when I, when I talk about precipitation, what I didn't tell you was that there are actually multiple types of precipitation that a lot of people, they, everybody, probably everybody, a lot of people know Reverend Hoyt Robinette and his style of what we call card-writing uh, precipitation mediumship. Mm -hmm. It's basically the cards. On one side is all of the spirit writing, your name, sometimes beautiful poetry and prose or biblical scripture. And on the uh, the back side is the bonus side, which is typically the, the most beautiful side with pictures, paintings, drawings, uh, spectacular works. And it's all through spirit intelligence that that is created. Now, that is called card writing. What I, what some people will probably remember are the the Campbell brothers and the Bang sisters, and even Henry Slade from the 1800s. There was slate writing mediumship. Remember that? No, say right? that again. You remember slate writing? Remember slate children? writing. Uh, mm-hmm. Slate writing. It's like, Back little, in the like little chalkboard kind of things, right? Yes. Okay. Remember those? Those were the laptops of the days. They got. They could only have one screen of chalk, and they had to wipe it off, and they, they'd have to start all over again. Well, that was because a slate was a, uh, it's a type of rock. It was very common, and it was much more affordable than actual paper and pens and inks and things like that. They, they barely had pencils. They had a lot of access to chalk and slate, and so all the schools would use that. Well, mediums began to realize that spirit was writing on the slate. So mediums developed a form of communication with the world of spirit in the 1800s, and it really has even progressed to today. I know people still doing slate writing. And uh, spirit would draw these beautiful uh, pictures of flowers, uh, 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 landscapes. They would, they would write in multiple languages on one slate board. Uh, there's evidences of that in different books. Uh, you can find some books by Ron Nagy, N-A-G-Y, who uh, uh, talks about that phenomena as well. And uh, slate writing really began this whole phenomena of precipitation in the last 150 plus years. Uh, another type of phenomena that uh, is common among spiritualist camps and mediums is what, it has many names, but it's called spirit flame messages. A lot of people also call them fairy flame messages or smoke messages or smoke billet messages. It's just got a bunch of different names. Okay. Basically, it is a postcard I would recommend only using a postcard type uh, uh, uh uh, paper, for lack of a better word, because paper is too thin and it will catch fire too easy. But use something that's more like post uh, poster board, and you wave that over the flame of a candle, and the smoke will precipitate onto that postcard stock. And through the mediumistic ability of the medium who is manipulating that postcard over the flame, spirit will precipitate pictures. Uh, I've seen uh, words slowly appear, small words, but I've seen them appear in the smoke. I have seen colors that do not exist in the candle. I've seen a white candle 
uh, being used with a flame, and yet the color was red or an, uh, almost like a lavender red color appear on the card. That's through precipitation. I've seen gold flecks of paint, some type of a gold or brassy material, suddenly appearing in the precipitated smoke on the billet, okay, on that smoke flame billet. And so that is another type of precipitation mediumship uh, that you can, uh, you can see that on the Internet. Uh, Reverend Hoyt also demonstrates another type of precipitation called silk precipitation. Have you ever heard of silk precipitation? I have not. No? Okay. Silk? So we take, we take a type of material that feels like silk. It's actually uh, a synthetic uh, polyester type cloth okay. by the name of silk, and it comes out of China, I believe. But anyway, this material is probably the best to use if somebody wants to develop silk, silk precipitation. And what happens is these little eight-inch square silks are uh, cut, and everyone receives one. You hold it in your lap by, by your thumb and your index finger of both hands. So you're holding the left and right corner against your solar plexus or right in your lap. And the medium will open four containers of writer's ink, like a black ink, a yellow ink, a blue ink, and a red ink. Those will be placed on a table in front of the room. The lights will go out. The medium will enter, will sit down in a chair and enter a light trance and begin to deliver messages uh, from spirit, uh, just random messages. And during that time, you will sometimes feel this uh, almost like, uh, I, I know it's ectoplasm, but th there's a force that grabs your silk precipitate, your silk that you're holding, and will tug on it. And that is the ectoplasmic field that is that is laying these images down and and eventually once uh, the medium is told that by spirit that the images have now been laid down and precipitated into every attendee's silks in the room, he walks around with a red torchlight, like a little red flashlight, and very dimly shines it onto your silks that you're holding that you never let go of, and there are the images on your silk, on faces, colored faces, black and white faces, some are big, some are small, some are fuzzy because they didn't develop properly. And you could have one or two pictures, uh, one or two faces. You may have 20 faces on your little silk cloth. And then uh, because they are so freshly created, they must be protected from sunlight or direct light. So they are to be then rolled up in a construction paper, light-proof uh, sheet of paper, a rubber band placed around that. So you've got your silk inside that rolled-up construction paper. And then by the next morning or next evening, you can unfold them, and they will have set, and now light won't destroy them. Uh, now, definitely sunlight destroys a lot of things, so you can't leave your silk precipitates anywhere near a, uh, a sunlight for extended periods of time, weeks or months, because it will fade them. But uh, that is a beautiful form of evidence from the spirit world of life because a lot of times people will recognize their loved ones or their best friends, even co-workers in, that have gone to spirit, and they will precipitate their faces onto these silks. It's only faces. Wow. So that's a beautiful form of precipitate. I'm so quiet. My mouth is wide open like, oh my gosh. I, I... Well, you better pick your mouth up because I've got more to tell you. Okay, okay keep so, going. Uh, wow. One of my good friends, one of my good friends from Facebook that I found five years ago, and I'll give him uh, his name to you in just a moment. He, he has coined a term which he calls breath mediumship, okay? Breath. And what is a breath? Yeah. A breath. A breath is full of moisture. A breath is full of air and oxygen and different things. 
And so when you breathe out of your body into a cold night, what happens? You see a precipitate, which is your breath in the night sky, right? One night in Canada, uh, this uh, buddy of mine uh, was walking through the mountains, and he had this feeling that spirit was around him, and he suddenly felt like he needed to breathe into the air and take a photograph of his breath. And he thought, well, that's strange, but I'll do it. He began to take pictures, and he noticed there, there appeared to be shapes and faces in his breath. And he thought, oh, that's really a coincidence. And as he continued to do it night after night after night, within a couple of months, he started getting really spectacular images, almost photographic quality images of faces appearing inside his breath in the night sky against this you know, black night sky. So the flash will catch the water vapor, the precipitate in the air, and the black of the night sky is a beautiful medium to have that breath be lit up on. Okay? okay, and so he calls that breath mediumship. Some people have even called it vapor mediumship mm-hmm. because breath is a vapor. Um, I want your listeners to uh, support him. Go, go look at his website. It is www.breath-photography.com. His name is Christopher Abbott, and he lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, and his work is spectacular. He has teamed up with a young woman who is a soft, she's very computer savvy with with these uh, imaging software programs. She takes the image that he has captured and she will bring it forward in such a way that it's even stronger and more profound. And then she'll add some beautiful elements around it just to give it a a bit of beautiful pop and, and beauty to the image. The work is spectacular and I'm telling you it is incredibly evidential of life after death when you see these images I, I always hear people gasp when they see the images. Oh, I can't but it's called wait. Breath mediumship. Okay. Kevin, so, just a little, uh, let me just tell our listeners. Yes. This is episode 185. And if you go to my website, which is wedontdieradio.com, and click on episode 185, I've got uh, both under, if you follow the um, link to this episode on YouTube in the description there's some live links that you can actually click on to see these pictures to visit these websites to learn more so I just really want to encourage you go to we don't die radio click on episode 185 and I will have or I do have all the live links to this to make it easy so if you don't want to rewind and write all this down you don't have to okay back to you Kevin beautiful so so we covered breath mediumship, and uh, really, I want I want the listeners to also realize that there is another form of precipitation mediumship, which is really it, it's pretty straightforward, it, and it comes it, it is demonstrated by a lot of the precipitation mediums, which and that is spirit writing. Now, when we talk about precipitation, we talk about spirit writing. So many people always come up to me, or they're always raising their hands, and they're saying, "Oh yes, I do spirit writing. I'm psychic. I get psychically inspired, and I write beautiful." poetry and prose and draw pretty pictures and paint pretty paintings. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about precipitation mediumship, when I talk about spirit writing, I talk about it from the, from the standpoint that spirit is 100% in control of causing the phenomena to come forward. No human hand is ever involved in creating these beautiful works of art or the beautiful po- prose and poetry of the spirit writing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's very important to understand and, uh, you know, uh, what's interesting is I like to bring up the fact that 
we have this rich 150-plus 100, years of experience with precipitation, starting with uh, Henry Slade and David DeGood over from Scotland. Uh, we have uh, the Kimball brothers. We have the Baines sisters. Everybody knows, knows the famous Baines sisters. And then it pushes on and on. But, but even before that, from ancient times, I noticed in my studies of the Bible that there were some very peculiar psychic phenomena that was listed in the Bible that reminded me of mediumship. Did you ever stop to think about in, in the Bible the Ten Commandments? What was that? That was a form of spirit writing. Mm -hmm. And they materialized on these tablets, which supposedly materialized themselves. So when we talk about the Ten Commandments, that's, uh, uh, from an ancient standpoint, probably one of the oldest examples of precipitated spirit writing that was given to the medium who was, who was at Moses. Moses was a medium. And uh, that was probably in the 1400 B.C. era. And then when we push into the 850 B.C. era, we actually have another example of precipitation that came forward. And that was when uh, a letter appeared to the king of Judah from Elijah the prophet, who had been dead for several years. And uh, that appears in the book of Chronicles, the second book of Chronicles, chapter 21, verse 12. That's where you'll find an example of spirit writing. Now, of course, that would have precipitated onto some form of parchment or paper. Uh, and another example that i like to share with your listeners is in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a prophet, a mystic, a seer, who had been thrown into the dungeon uh, in the city of Babylon. And in this story, in the book of Daniel, chapter 5, verse 5, this strange hand appeared in the wall and uh, began to write on the wall in a strange and foreign tongue. Well, none of the mystics and the, and the seers of the king at the time could interpret it, but the queen knew that Daniel was in the dungeon and sent for Daniel to come and interpret. Daniel was able to do that, and he, he interpreted, actually, the king's death in 24 hours, which actually happened. And so that's what made Daniel so famous. And so what was that? That was not only a materialization of a spirit hand, but we also have spirit writing, and we have precipitation of that writing that took place uh, from, from some, what source it came from. It could have come from the, the dyes and the pigments that were in the fabrics in the room, from the curtains, from the clothing. There might have been paints in the room. We don't know. But we know that it precipitated onto a wall. So that's uh, a beautiful example of precipitation and spirit writing. And another very interesting one, when you think about the religion of Mormonism, the Book of Mormon appeared, it was actually, it had to be dug up from the ground because these were golden plates with Egyptian hieroglyphs on them. And that's what the angel uh, Moroni told Joseph Smith, uh, that he needed to interpret these for his people to lead his people to their great state of, of Mormonism. So those are some really interesting, very ancient examples of spirit writing and precipitation that I think your listeners will be very interested uh, in hearing about. So, And you did mention uh, you're writing a book on this. I am. I'm writing a book that covers exactly what I'm talking to you about, which is the ancient perspective, the perspective from the 1800s, the perspective from early 1900s, mid-1900s, modern-day mediumship, and where is this phenomenon going today? And so, and I will be including, I have a tremendous collection of beautiful photographs from all these different seances that I've attended, friends that have received these 
precipitated images. I've taken lots of pictures and did a lot of documentation. So I'm going to create a book around that and probably even a DVD that is included because it's a lot, heck of a lot easier and cheaper to include a DVD than it would be a full-color uh, book. But my book has got to be in color because the richness cannot be comprehended by black and white. You must see these the, the precipitated works in full color. Wow, I'm really excited. And now our listener may be listening to this in the year 2020, and this book might mm-hmm. be already done. So as a reminder, right. go to We Don't Die Radio, episode 185. And um, at the time that the book's ready, there'll be a, a live link to have. Wonderful, wonderful. I'll tell you what, you know, what's interesting is I think where this phenomena is going from our friends in different mediumistic circles around the world, we know that there's a new form of energy being manipulated by the world of spirit. It is non-ectoplasmic based. Have you heard this? Yes, I have. Okay. We haven't talked so about it on this, the show, but I've, I personally have heard of it. Wonderful. Well, there's a couple of different names for that uh, type of energy. You know, I guess one hasn't stepped for, to the forefront as a coined term. But uh, what I am seeing is uh, one of my dear friends, I'm going to mention her name, and I think some of your listeners in England probably will recognize her, Sandy Ingham. And she is a beautiful spiritual artist uh, who will draw your loved ones and even your spirit guides in, in the spirit world of life. And she goes into an altered state, and her spirit guide, Leo, will come through and begin to draw your loved ones on the beautiful parchment that she has. And then this whole process is being uh, beamed onto a wall in the churches or in the theaters where uh, the, the demonstration is taking place. And she typically has uh, a fellow or friend uh, medium that is demonstrating, connecting with the same spirit that's being drawn by Sandy. And so there's a double connection on the platform. So it's a beautiful evening. I, I, spirit told me two, a little over two years ago, you, you must go to England. There's someone we need you to meet. And I thought, well, what can I possibly do for anybody in England? I'm just me over in Florida. And I said, well, I am interested to go and experience this gentleman named Stuart Alexander. I've heard many good things. I would, I would really like to experience his uh, seances. And everything fell into place. I went to Cobber Hill. I was able to experience uh, the, the last public demonstration by Stuart Alexander at this beautiful retreat center in England. And one of the attendees was saying to Ingham, and we hit it off instantly. And I started to share with her all of my, I had brought a stack of my precipitated pictures and cards that I had received over the years because I was trying to see if I could find anybody at this retreat that had heard of any precipitated medi- precipitation mediums in England or Europe or abroad that might be doing this type of work because I needed it for my research. Right. No one had ever heard about it. They were all just kind of in shock. A lot of people didn't even believe it. A lot of people didn't believe it was real, honestly. But Sandy realized the, the power of this phenomena, and she realized it was real and legitimate. And we became really good friends as I came I as I came back home, I set up a few Skype calls and I taught her how to begin sitting for this phenomena. And within a couple of weeks she began to experience phenomena occurring on her card and paper that she sat with. And then her guy told her, We're not gonna work with you that way. We want you to put the basket down. We want, we're gonna work with you a different way, trust us. Within about six or eight months, when she would be drawing, after, actually it was afterwards, she didn't hear it until after this was done, people said, that's so uncanny, you, you drew the color, you, you captured the color of my loved one's eyes, that was spot on. And she said, 
no, that's impossible. You must have saw something wrong. I only use a black charcoal and a piece of, of white paper. And they said, no, no, you, you put color in. We saw the color on the projected image. And she said, that's impossible. Well, she started noticing that from time to time, color would begin to appear in the projected image on the wall, but there was no color on the canvas. She talked to her guide, and her guide said, yes, we, we are. it's much easier for us to precipitate and change the projected image onto the wall. We can work with light and change the light frequency much easier than we can creating physical precipitate onto your canvas. And she thought, okay, well, that's interesting. So she began to notify the audiences that, uh, please, if you see color appearing, I do not use color, but I would like to see if this phenomenon is really happening. She started seeing it from time to time. It typically would happen in one church in particular, and I think that's spiritually interesting because there must be some sort of an energetic or vortex uh, of energy, a, a foundation that's been built up in that church that allows that phenomenon to strongly come forward. Uh, before I go forward with the story, an interesting aside is, about that time, I found an old, a very old article, Spirit must have guided me to it, about the Bang Sisters. When the Bang Sisters would uh, precipitate their physical paintings in the public, they would do it using sunlight. They would place the canvas in the window, and sun would pour through the canvas, two canvases to be specific, and the picture would begin to appear almost like smoke, and it would build and it would form and fade into a beautiful expression and appearance on the canvas, and they would call them sun paintings. So isn't it interesting that this precipitation that's taking place with Sandy Ingham through her guide was taking place with projected light, very powerful light. What is sunlight? Very powerful light. So there's something, there's something within the phenomena of light that is useful for the world of spirit for precipitation in certain mediums, in certain mediumistic demonstrations. Now, uh, about nine months ago, a gentleman received a beautiful drawing from Sandy at a public demonstration. By the time he got home, there was flesh tones in the cheeks of his drawing that were not there when he picked it up. Oh, so my that goodness. Is physical precipitation taking place after the fact. It has since begun to happen to other people who, has taken, who are taking their images home. They suddenly are, they're suddenly getting small amounts of colors appearing on their canvas. So that is a, a new phase with, with Sandy. And in a way, it's hearkening us back to the days of the Bang Sisters when precipitation was happening after the paintings would go home to the recipient. That, that was one of a very common phenomena that took place with the Bang Sisters. Uh, the Bang Sisters would have pictures that would precipitate and materialize the eyes would be closed. By the time the painting got home with the recipient, the eyes would be open. Or oh, my gosh. When, yes, when the, the painting would come forward with the Bang Sisters and your lovely, say, your grandmother in her beautiful, she had this beautiful hairstyle in the picture that you never recognized and it probably wasn't very flattering in your humble opinion at that time in that era, and you remembered her with a specific hairstyle, you could say to the Bang Sisters, I'm sorry, but I, I don't really appreciate that hairstyle of my loved one in spirit that's precipitated. You know, it's not very conservative. It's a little too uh, flamboyant. Do you think that you could change it? Well, the Bang Sisters would tell the recipient who had the picture of at their home, you sit on this date at this time, think of your loved one, think of the style of hair or the style of clothing or the missing piece of, of estate jewelry that's not in the picture. We will think of your loved one as well, and we will see what we can do. And within that short period of time of sitting, 
the family heirloom would appear in the picture, a new style of clothing would appear in the picture, a missing child that, that for whatever reason hasn't originally appeared in the picture now appears in the picture, the hairstyle changes in the picture. That is truly spectacular types of, of, of phenomena, and it, it's not miraculous. Once again, it's just mediums and the world of spirit working together to manipulate universal natural laws to cause a physical, spiritual effect in our dimension. And so Sandy Ingham is reaching a new level in yes. her mediumship that not one person have I heard of in the world has been able to achieve since the Bang Sisters of the early 1900s. Wow. And I did it's have really an, an interview with Sandy Ingham. Ingham and uh, Well, I'll make that happen. She's uh, a lovely lady. Oh, no, I, we have it. No, I did it. Wonderful. It's already been wonderful, done. Wonderful, wonderful. And I, when I interviewed her, uh, you know, I always look at for goosebumps, you know, when I really feel like inspired or, you know, get that sensation. And 18 times while I talked to her, uh, I got the goosebumps like, oh, my gosh. So I don't remember what episode number it is. I'll include it in the description of this. Beautiful. Um, but really Beautiful. great. Kevin, we have to wrap this up because we've gone a little over. But every second has counted. It's been so wonderful. Do you Thank have, you so much. I, and I just want more. I wish the book was in my hand right now and i know you're a busy man but you have to schedule time for it yeah i gotta schedule yeah, time for it um because this is really great it's just really showing with spirit everything is possible you know and, and when you start having Absolutely. these kind of experiences it's like you just can't deny that we don't die it's all real that's so true and and the work that you're doing Sandra, is so important you're, you are a healer. You may think you're just a, an interviewer. You may think you're just a researcher and a, and a, uh, a talk show host, but you, you truly are a healer. Even those of us who call ourselves uh, mediums and ministers, what do we do at the very basic level? We are healing people. Yes. And because you're, you're, you have created this space that is allowing people to transform their lives to greatness, that's my favorite saying every Sunday in my church, we are here to create a space that transforms lives to greatness. And every single medium, psychic, healer, minister, uh, metaphysician, talk show host, uh, researcher, dabbler, uh, we are creating the vibration of love that creates healing for the listener, for the, the public that's walking into our doors. And we're, we're trying to provide evidence and facts so that hopefully it heals their soul and it uplifts their soul. It inspires them to start looking and, and to consider what is possible. I know the spirit world is all around us. I know that there is life after death. I no longer believe, hope, and pray like I used to in my former religious uh, uh, upbringing. I know 100%. And it's people like you and I and all of our colleagues around the world that are doing this that we spread this light. We create a network around the planet. We are all so important, and we should never doubt that what we do is not uh, critically important to the light potential and frequency of this planet. We do great work as light workers, and I just applaud all of our fellow light workers and you, Sandra. So thank you for your time today as well. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you to you and all you're doing, and for our listener who's been here um, this past over an hour. Just thank you. Sure. Thank you for giving us both your time. You're very welcome, my dear. Yeah, we're out to yeah transform lives. There's a whole new way of living life when you really know to your core mm -hmm. that we don't mm -hmm. die uh, life after death is real it means you are here for a reason on planet earth my friend and uh, yeah. and and what a joyous 
a ride it can be with with these kind thank of things you. oh thank, thank you. you um just lastly just for our, our listener we have been talking to the wonderful reverend kevin lee coming to us from florida his website is kevinleemedium.com or you can visit his chapel at metaphysicalchapel.com and uh, just a quick reminder feel free to join our group on facebook we don't die listeners and i will have i do have some of the pictures uh kevin lee spoke about of um some of these cards which is precipitation mediumship fantastic uh go to we don't die radio.com check out past episodes join the insiders club which basically uh is you get a free copy of my book and also great audio called how to survive grief and more things and if you're free in september 2017 go to afterlifestudies.org and you can find out about the great symposium so in closing my name is sandra champlain and i've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So I really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.